Hey guys, Sarah here. Just a quick note to let you know that Growing Pains is back after a bit of an unexpected hiatus this year. It's been a really big year and we hope that you're coping out there in lockdown 6.0. Thanks so much for sticking with us and we hope you enjoy this month's episode. Welcome to Growing Pains, a podcast for medical students by medical students. My name is Sarah Barnard. I'm an MD3 at Deakin University and join us as we talk to fellow students and medical professionals about the challenges we may face navigating our personal and professional lives as future medics. Today we have Edwina Fry on the podcast. Eddie is a third year medical student at Deakin University. Um, he's going to be at Ruckus next year doing um, her rural um, clinical placement in, for her third year at Ararat Hospital. Eddie is the twice elected president of Deakin's Rural Health Club, NOMAD, which stands for Nursing, Occupational Therapy, Medicine and Allied Health. Um, this club is responsible for representing the rural, remote and Indigenous medicine working to engage students in conversations around rural health, including the challenges, celebrations and opportunities. Welcome, Eddie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, it was weird being called a third year medical student, but I passed my exam, so yeah. I technically am. Nice. Exciting. So the reason I asked Eddie on the podcast today is that aside from her killer resume of academic leadership positions, Eddie, like me, just loves a good chat. And we have many of them, particularly walking on the beach with the dogs. Um, and what I love about our chats is that Eddie will go anywhere with you in a conversation. She has a knack for keeping it real, whether we're talking about deep things or we're talking about light things, whatever it is, Eddie will go there with you. And a lot of our chats end up being about our feelings about studying medicine. Um, so we're both in coming into third year now, um, but we've talked a lot about the doubts that we've had and how often we've felt woefully inadequate um, to study this degree. So we thought, at one point, I think at one point, one of our beach chats, we just said, we can't be the only ones feeling this way. Like we're the only ones that are feeling inadequate. I know everyone feels it, I think. Yeah. It's so funny because I think we all do feel like this, but we don't really talk about it. And I'm not really sure why. I know. We don't carve out the time, I don't think, to have no. those honest conversations. So yeah. And maybe, yeah, maybe it's because it's so competitive to get into med that we're just like, it takes us a while to get out of that competitive mode. But I feel like Deacon's pretty good at like pushing that out of us with our ungraded passes. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that it, it has definitely changed my, my thought process with that sort of thing and helped us take a deep breath about it. And yeah. yeah. It's such a relief having that ungraded pass. I love it. I know. Everyone's yeah. like, what's UP mean? I'm like, hmm, ungraded pass. Like, <laughs> yeah. ungraded. I was like, no, I, I did things. It's yeah. okay. Um, so with all that said, when I met you, Eddie, even though we talk a lot about, you know, feeling like we what are we doing in med we don't know if we're good enough to be here when I actually met you I did not think that about you at all um you were one of those people that you're just so confident so vivacious you took on leadership roles pretty quickly um and you have this like incredible knack for distilling the most complex concepts down into like you know basic core principles so it became intuitive and I would often have like so many aha moments with you in PBL where I'm like oh I get it now and so for me, I like projected a lot of my insecurities about whether I could do med or not onto someone like you, who I just thought, oh, she's got it all together. She's got it down. And then, I don't know, we became better friends and we started having better chats and yeah. um, found out that we're probably both probably feeling the same way. Um, so I wanted to see if you could speak about how you were feeling through your two years of med that you've done so far and any like ups and downs with the challenges of confidence um, or feelings of inadequacy in the way that I had. Yeah, I think it's the the classic. You look at someone else and you you just see the surface. And you're like, oh, they've got it all together. 
Um, but yeah, once you get to know them, everyone's got their own little challenges or demons or uh, whatever it is. And I feel like I was looking at everyone and feeling the way that you were feeling about me. And it's hard to remind yourself that, oh, they've got other stuff going on because you just see the confidence. Um, But yeah, I definitely did. And I think leading up to applying for medicine and doing my undergrad, I was kind of waiting for big like neon lights to be like, do medicine because <laughs> I really felt like because it is such a you know a challenge and it's and it's a long time that I felt like I needed some sign from the universe mm. and I never really got that and I, I don't know if I necessarily will 100% get that yeah flashing light to, mm. to do this and so I think the transition was a little bit difficult because like you said I, I saw people that do have that 100% about them and and I was like oh Am I, am I a bit off from being here? Mm. So, yeah, and I, I think, like we said, about the competitiveness and, and grades, we've, we've all come from... Well, everyone's worked really, really hard to be here. So I think it is hard to beat that out of you a little bit and yeah. you naturally look at everything with a little bit of a maybe slight negative glass to it or a bit of a I could do better or mm. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not doing as well as I thought or this is harder than I thought. And, mm. yeah, so absolutely, I think... I had that more in first year and coming into second year, I feel like I kind of settled into the new the new way of kind mm. of going about it and getting to know people more and on a deeper level and having mm. these deeper conversations and making good friendships really help just to, we're all here, we've all mm. just got to um, move forward and, and get out the other side with each other. Yeah, think, yeah definitely. Helped. Yeah, like normal, it's getting, having those conversations sort of normalises everyone's challenges. Mm-hmm. Um in a way that I think when you're in your own little head, it's just like, oh, I'm the only one who's struggling and everyone's so smart. Um, but it kind of demystifies. By the time you get into second year, the medicine's a bit demystified. I mean, it's hard, but it's yeah. mainly hard in that it's just like a lot of work. Yeah. And, you know, if you work hard at it, you can get it. And I always find that we're really bad at giving ourselves our own advice. Mm. So I could tell myself exactly what I would say to you when you're having these feelings that make mm. you feel, oh, thanks, Eddie, thanks for telling me that. I can't mm-hmm. tell myself that. Yeah. So you've got to find those friendships and that takes time yeah. to then kind of have these conversations and you'd be like, it's all right, don't stress, like we're going to get yeah. through it. And I'll listen to you but not myself. So yeah. it's, yeah, I think through first year you find those friendships and, yeah. and definitely the year that we've had. Yeah. Um, so glad we had those friendships that we were able to do that for each other on the online yeah yeah had those friendships solidified to kind of yeah. lean on I totally agree I think it would have been really tough for the first years coming in doing yeah. everything online because I know in first year I used sort of like a double-edged sword using out my peers to sort of gauge where I was at mm-hmm. whether I was because with an ungraded pass you really don't know so you just in PBL and a lot of classes you're just like should I be getting this faster or should I not? And it's like a fine line between losing confidence and feeling like you can't do it to being like, okay, I need to make sure I'm keeping up. But the poor first years just got thrown into the online environment before they got to really solidify these friendships. Yeah. And I mean, we all bonded a lot over the course of a year because you just spend an exorbitant amount of time together in a relatively stressful environment. Yes. So you do get close. Close very quickly as well. (laughs) So... Um, would you say you're someone who struggled with confidence through your medical degree so far? Or do you think that it was a challenge, but you've worked on it or worked through it? I would say depending on what setting I'm kind of in. So in front of people, in front of class, doing presentations, Mm. 
asking a question, all that sort of stuff. I don't really think about it. So I guess that translates into confidence mm. and to other people seeing that they would probably say, oh, she, she's very confident. So mm. I would say in that kind of setting, yeah, I enjoy being in front of people. I, I Yeah, I enjoy that. I feel comfortable there. So I, I get a lot of confidence when I'm doing that sort of stuff. Mm. The more in-depth kind of confidence, like that confidence of being good enough or being in the right place or being able to get that assignment done, mm. I I can lack a little bit um, at times. Probably more assignment kind of stuff. I'm mm. not the – I shouldn't say I'm not. I, I feel like I'm not the most eloquent when it comes to writing an essay or putting mm. research together or that sort of stuff. So I can lack a lot of confidence in that sort of setting, mm. um, which is probably the settings that people don't see because right. you're doing mm. your assignments on your own. Um, and I think that is linked to what we've we've mentioned about kind of just getting used to the fact that I'm not pushing for this big number or you know, mm. I'm here. I don't have to be getting good grades or, yeah, you've got to get through and we've got to ungrade and pass it, mm. I think. So it is interesting because I think a lot of people and I – I would probably say that I am a confident person, but in that setting of being in front of people and talking to people and mm. expressing myself in front of others, mm. and that's what people see. So mm. I think it's a lot of people describe me as a very confident person because they don't probably see those less confident times. Yeah, that are behind closed doors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really funny in a classroom environment, I'm just sort of like reflecting on my engagement in like PBL. I also ask a lot of questions. But it's not because I'm confident. It's because I have so much fear around not um, knowing what's going on. Like yes, yeah. I, my fear of not passing overrides my fear of speaking up. Yeah. And so I just ask a lot of questions because I'm like terrified I'm going to fail or I just don't understand it. Or like there's like a little bit of imposter syndrome going on there yes. where I just think I've gotten it. I think I understand it, but surely, surely I have not. Surely yeah. not, you know. So yeah, it's. But then maybe other people interpret that as a confidence, but it's it's definitely fear driven. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just know like certain peers that we have and stuff and, and just even friends I have mm. that just asking a question in front of people or getting up to do a presentation, mm. even though we've been together for ten years, just verbalizing things in front of others can be a very yeah. intimidating thing. But we all have our things that we are not confident in. Yes. Yeah. Um and like you said, some things are more public and some things are more private in terms of when we're we're feeling we're lacking yeah. confidence but I'm big um like it sounds bad but you, I put it on to an extent if I'm in a slightly uncomfortable situation uncomfortable or like a situation I'm a bit unsure of mm. I do kind of dial up that confidence and kind of a little bit of the whole fake it until you make it to settle myself into something and mm. then I kind of just settle and then my confidence naturally comes out um which is something, yeah, yeah, if I walk into a big room and I don't know anyone, I kind mm. of go, before I go in, I'm like, okay, pretend like you know that. everyone. And yeah. like you walk in with a big smile and it, yeah. I think I heard it on TED Talk or something like that. Like what the power poses. Yeah, and, yeah. those sorts of <laughs> yeah. things. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, faking till you make it has a lot of value. I, I know yeah. I employ that a lot in times that I'm feeling really either insecure or just completely out of place. Yeah. Um, Especially in the social situations, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we've spoken a lot about your motivations. In the past, we've spoken a lot about your motivations in medicine, about mm-hmm. finding sort of like the reasons why you're here. 
Um, and I know that you have mentioned at times that that helps you overcome some of your feelings of like, oh, can I do this or not? It's actually finding a bigger context or a bigger reason why you're invested into studying medicine. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we kind of mentioned before, we've all arrived here with uh, different motivations and, and different levels of maybe like passion. I think we're all passionate in different ways. Mm. Um, and it's really easy to look at someone else and go, oh, well, they've been through this, this and this, and mm. this is this amazing story of why they're here. Mm. And I feel like, oh, I don't have this tearjerker story or maybe I'm, it's not you know, I don't quite deserve to be here or mm. I'm oh, not as deserving or whatever it is. Mm. And I think that I always have to just remind myself that we've all arrived here for, for different reasons and we have all different backgrounds. And that is so important because if we were all here for the same reason mm. and we were the same person with the same experiences, that mm. would look like a very poor healthcare system. <laughs> yeah. And we need different people because there's also so many different professions that require mm. different skill sets and different personalities and different value system, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so it's really important that we all have our different motivations, but it is hard when that imposter syndrome comes in and you look at someone else and you feel like they have a better reason. Mm. And so for me, uh, in those times when I'm feeling a bit like inadequate or even just when I'm bogged down in an assignment or feeling a bit overwhelmed Mm. it's really important for me to have a why and that's anything in life outside of medicine or whatever it is if I don't have a why there's no point me being there yeah whether it's catching up with a friend or a social situation or whatever because I just check out Mm -hmm. uh and your why is never going to go away your how and what might Mm. because there's multiple different ways to get to one place yeah but the why is always is what gonna is is what will motivate you mm. in those really hard times and it helps me to feel like my place is just as deserving mm-hmm. as the person next to me mm-hmm. um it was really big thing I do come from a rural background I probably definitely may have arrived here with some rural points don't know whether I got here without them or not mm. um and there was a really long period of time where I felt less than and less deserving mm. for being in my place because, oh, well, she got help. Right. And there is that undertone from some people. Um, I haven't come across many, but there mm. are some out there that mm. they feel hard done by because I got a little bit of help. But fundamentally, that's so in, like Whatever your opinion is on that and whatever, but my why got mm. me through that time period of feeling like I wasn't deserving. Yeah. Because my why will serve that subset that's needed in, in further down the line at how I act as a doctor and mm-hmm. and why I'm here and my rural background will play a massive role in how I treat people and, and where I work mm. and it brings something different to PBL conversations, to mm. workshop conversations, just life conversations, to my friendships and to my peers that yeah. is valuable for me and for them. Yeah. And my if I didn't have that why, I think I would have really struggled with that because that was a, yeah, it was a testy time feeling yeah. like I, it was more than imposter syndrome because it, it was almost like I actually was less deserving because I may have gotten some help because mm. of my background. Right. If that and it's, of it's, makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's, I mean, it's shitty. 
it's it's shitty if anyone made you feel that way or even sort of um, represented it whether intentionally or not that you are less than because you got rural help because we need there's a reason why these programs are in place mm-hmm. um and it like we won't get into the the, no. the complexities of all, all of that but like it that's their problem that's their stuff yes, that's yeah. probably their jealousy and all the rest of it and, it and it speaks to their inability to see the advantage that maybe or the privilege that they had um not coming from a rural background mm-hmm. but I guess what I want to ask about is you sort of sort of talked a little bit about it it was like what is your why if you're happy to share yeah mm. it's it's a funny one to like try and verbalize which I think is sometimes a good thing I think that mm. um a lot of people's whys are they're complex and there's mm. sometimes very personal or mm. um but my why is yeah it's it's fundamentally I enjoy people and I enjoy connections with people mm-hmm. and their stories and how they've gotten to where they are mm. and people when they're unwell it's all about their story to me it's all about whether how they're coping in the moment or how they got there or Mm. their past. Like I know how I interact with healthcare is influenced by my past experiences or my family's Mm. experiences and, and that, and it's coming out more and more we learn about mental health and emotional Mm. and spiritual wellbeing and how much that is entired with your physical wellbeing. Mm. Just being a, someone that will sit and listen but then also have the knowledge and skill set to help with that yeah. Yeah. is how I kind of arrived to medicine to try and put that why in a very <laughs> wordy way. Yeah. But no, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, connection with people, yeah. I think. And, and feeling misunderstood is a really lonely thing or feeling alone or yeah, mm. misunderstood it it's not a nice feeling and mm. I think we've all had it before and I mm. I'm driven by you know if I can help one person and make one person feel understood yeah um it, yeah, yeah is why yeah particularly feeling misunderstood by a doctor or a healthcare provider yeah. in a very vulnerable moment of your life mm-hmm. or even vulnerable day you know yeah. it's it's pretty powerful like the yeah, like the power dynamic of being the doctor it's like it's a very sacred thing um and you have so much opportunity to make that a really like safe collaborative um positive interaction yeah. as the physician so and I guess a bit more of a that was that's probably much more like fundamental mm-hmm. deep why but there's also the more physical or actual why of like seeing deficit and mm-hmm. seeing what lack of healthcare does to people and communities mm-hmm. and and when you say deficit do you mean in rural settings and yeah, well, that's, health? yeah mm-hmm. so that's my experience is rural but then mm-hmm. you know the more you, I and like we said that that's a whole other conversation itself mm-hmm. but yeah, they're just learning that, yeah, there's, there's a reduced access or education or whatever it is across mm. more than just rural and indigenous communities. It, it's everywhere um, in different marginalised communities and all that, those sorts of things. Mm. So for me, that's where I kind of, I guess, I focus my um, attention a little bit more mm. um, because I think it's really easy for people to say we're here to help people and 
that's an, an innate part about what we're going to do. Mm. Um, but for me, that's where I see the most need. Yeah. And that's my why. And yeah. It's probably the why that motivates a few of my other involvements and things that, yeah. Yeah, that I'm yeah. a part of. Amazing. So I want to talk a little bit about your leadership roles. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had a long history of leadership roles. So you were school captain in year 12. Um, you're also the residential advisor at your second year at Monash University at the Mannix College. Is that, yeah, I said that right? Yeah. Um, you're also a general officer of the Rural Subcommittee of AMSA. Um, and as we've spoken, spoken before, you're now the twice elected president of Nomad. So that's a lot of leadership positions we've got there. So I wanted to know, particularly in the context of us talking about confidence and self-esteem and self-worth in the way that we've, um, in the way that we address our work, what has drawn you to take on such leadership roles in your life? Yeah, it's interesting hearing it in a list. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's a, yeah. Um, for me, it really starts with community. Like I, it's weird hearing it in a list because I wouldn't normally like list, oh, these are my leadership roles. And it's funny when you have those questions or resume things. I'm not... Yeah. I often kind of go, oh, but I haven't really done much. And if people are like, um, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Because for me, I very much view all of this sort of stuff as fun from community yeah. feelings. So growing up in a small country town, community is everything really. And, and I know that that can be replicated in the city, in multiple areas, whether it's a religious group or whatever it is. People mm. that come from communities can understand this, that uh, we wanted a, a basketball competition. So for that to happen well, that mum did jerseys and that mum did the food and, like, you know, yeah. for us to have local football teams or sporting teams or men's shed or whatever it is, it, the whole community runs fully on voluntary, showing up, putting your hand up to take on a role mm-hmm. so that we can all enjoy a benefit in our community. And if yeah. So I grew up in that and I just knew that, you know, as soon as I was able to umpire netball games or work on the canteen, it's just, it's just what you do because it's yeah. your part. And so whenever I made transitions, so when I went away to boarding school or I went away to college and then started uni, I always look for that community feel. That's something that that can ground me Mm -hmm. in something that I care about. And it's kind of a bit of a sense of belonging, but it also kind of just helps ground and set myself up for my new environment. Mm -hmm. And I get a lot out of giving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And especially each of those each of these milestones that I've had going to boarding school was a massive opportunity a massive privilege to have that opportunity that I didn't want to take for granted so of course I wanted to get involved Mm. and help where I could and learn where I could and that naturally kind of evolved into becoming a school leader which then was like lucky enough or privilege enough or whatever word you want to use to be entitled as a school captain. And the same again, going to residential college and each step it's about giving back to something that's giving a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And so I never really see them as like leadership roles. It's more, I start by finding my people or finding my community and, um, and engaging with that and getting involved in mm-hmm. that. And then I guess that giving back and, and that, passion and that sense of belonging kind of naturally evolves me into helping other people along with their roles and then I pop into the leadership role which yeah. I obviously is still quite an active thing I still have to put my hand up for it yeah 
Um, but it, yeah, it, it very much comes from a community, a community place, and mm. it, it can that um, trying to make the most out of every kind of opportunity that mm. I can get. And and at the end of the day, then yeah, then it is really nice to be able to have this what and have this thing to be able to whack down on a resume. Like, but it's definitely not um, the thing that motivates me. And I just I arrive there from a very different, yeah. very different point of view. Yeah. So in some of your leadership positions, I'm curious about how you've handled doubt or self-doubt. So have you ever felt unsure about a position or an approach you took as a leader? Um, and how did you handle that? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think it's made, most of my role is telling myself I can do it rather than actually spend, probably spend a lot of brain power behind the scenes perfing myself up. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of leading and making leadership decisions, I guess I never really feel like I'm doing it because I come from that, we're all in this together. And that, mm-hmm. yes, I have with Nomad, yes, I have the president title, but I don't see myself any more important or influential as the rest of the 24 on the committee. Mm-hmm. And that they all have a role and they're all leaders in mm-hmm. the, the bigger cause, which is Nomad and is rural health. And so I think that helps me when I am kind of feeling a bit like, oh, I've got to make a decision, I mm. can take a deep breath and I have people to lean on. There's the exec, there's, and I always, I always ask and I always explain, mm. which helps me. Because if I can't, if I don't feel confident enough to ask everyone on the committee, then mm. it mustn't be a good decision. Yeah. <laughs> and if I don't feel like I can explain why we're doing something mm. or why we're not doing something, then it mustn't align with us either so I think another club reached out to do a collaboration on something and it just didn't make sense it didn't it didn't align it didn't have anything that was kind of addressing any of our values or goals for the year and I was able to explain that to the person I was saying no to I'm not good at saying no I don't enjoy (laughs) saying no but it didn't represent nomad and I was representing nomad so and I was able to explain the no so I think that I'm always kind of second guessing, but they're my two things. If I don't have the confidence to ask or give feedback to someone or whatever it is, and I can't physically explain my reasoning, then it mustn't be the right decision right. or a good decision. That is some good for, advice. <laughs> for Nomad. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm often kind of even re-electing for president for third year. It's never really been a clinical student. Mm-hmm. And third year's the big year and like yeah. all that dialogue. I really struggled. I went back and forth and back and forth. But mm-hmm. the thing that pulled me through was my why. Yeah. And I could explain to myself why I wanted to be president again. Yeah. And I think it was probably lots of days of back and forth, maybe a little bit of lost sleep. But those two things are what I had to strip back. I had to turn off the dialogue and strip back to those few things. And I, I knew my why and I could explain to myself why I wanted to be there again. So, yeah, I'm always mm. going around in circles. Uh, but, but you have a process by the sounds of it that yeah. sort of some checks and balances of um, managing doubt, yeah. whether it be self-doubt or doubt about a decision. or And you're, yeah. you're never alone and I don't lead as if I'm alone. Yeah. Um, I'm just a piece in the the, the – co- 
cog and wheel what's that saying you know just a little a little yeah, piece the, yeah i'm the piece that has piece in the, the puzzle or a cog in the wheel yes one of those two <laughs> we things mix them up, yeah so i need you to help me get the saying out <laughs> hence i can't do it on my own so yeah i'm the one that has a fancy word and if i need if no man needs a spokesperson or any of these roles needed a spokesperson yes i was the one to be the face mm-hmm. i guess but yeah it, it's never an isolated thing that's coming just from me yeah so the last question that I have is what advice would you give a newbie med student who's wanting to take on a leadership role but is lacking the confidence to do so? Uh, I think it would be coming a common theme through my <laughs> advice and my opinions is why is it that you want to do that leadership position? Yeah. So I, I remember when I first heard about Nomad on the first day of med school and had all mm. these clubs coming in and being like, this is what we do. Like Nomad stuck out. Yeah. Um, and so I think if they had a leadership position that why is it that that club stuck out to you or why is mm. it that you even just had that real initial like, oh, mm. I want to do that. Uh, and again, any motivation's a valid motivation. I never want to say that you have to be as like, woohoo as like maybe my thinking. But I think it's really just important to identify why it is that you're even thinking about that mm-hmm. and kind of, uh, yeah, exploring that a little bit more. And then, I don't know, confidence is a really hard one, but I do like to, yeah, like we said before, faking it before you make it kind of thing. And if you can explain your why you want to be a part of this leadership position mm. and just kind of putting yourself out there, know that generally as a newbie, a first year med student, um, I know Deacon's club space pretty well. And I'm from my experience or from my friendships, the other, other med schools are very similar mm. is that you're going to step into a team and you're going to step into people that have been there for a few years you're going to step into other newbies you're going to step into a bit of history of a club mm. and a lot of those first year positions are going to just you can be a fly on the wall and just see how things are done that was basically my first year position and you can put your hand up where you feel comfortable or you'll get handed a, like a job description or a few responsibilities that you just have to act within those those boundaries so I think if you're lacking a bit of confidence because you're unsure, just know that it's not going to like consume your world and mm. that there's been people that have done it before and that they're generally the people that are still in the club. Yeah. Like when I was president, I had been the first year rep the year before. So it was easy for me to help them along. Mm. And, but yeah, I would say get your understanding of why that leadership position even, you know, even drew you in mm-hmm. because I think that really helps to kind of, just go, right, well, I'm just going to focus on my name. I'm just going to apply and yeah. the rest will happen. Yeah. And then I think just know that you are, if you if you look at it with the lens of I'm stepping into a community, I'm stepping into a group of people that are interested in the same interests I have, you'll find your way. Yeah. Um, less daunting. And yeah, mm. and it's much less daunting. And like I kind of said, I never really label myself as a leader. I'm a part of a team yeah. and I'm just doing my part for the team. And I wouldn't be able to do it without the team. So if you're lacking that confidence, just kind of go in there and yeah. you'll and you'll find it and you and you'll be okay. I don't know if that's 
No, it's great advice. Health, helpful advice or not. Well, thank you so much for coming on and no good worries. luck for your third year in Ararat Hospital. Yes. Um, I'm sure I'll be touching base with you anyway, at least yeah. personally. Um, and good luck with your position with Nomad this year. Thank you very much. Thanks. And good luck with everything too. And good job on the podcast. Thank I'm you. I'm so excited. <laughs>